when you walk through an art museum, what happens? You see some interesting things. You see some not so interesting things. <laughs> and if you're like us at all, you're probably a little bit sleepy. Well, grab a cafecito and listen up. It's Art Slice, a palatable serving of art history. We are both artists, so we look at art history through that perspective. We cover the artists you know and those that have been ignored for so many different reasons. We look at the context of the time. We compare it to today. We don't dumb anything down, but, and this is a big but, hey, we like to have a good time, okay? Nos gusta to goof <laughs> around, all right? We have hungry pantry no, bonds that no, might startle you. It's a long story. We, we feed them our materials. Art is just a visual language that is open for anyone to interpret. So if this all sounds good to you, join us on Art Slice, a palatable serving of art history. You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. So, uh, the reason that I wanted to incorporate those elements into it was I, I was going to have kids at 12 years ago. <laughs> you know, I was getting ready for that change of life. And I thought, I need a way to connect with my children so that I can still stay on my artistic mission, but I can kind of bring them into it. I can bring kids out on adventures with me. I can have some adventures myself. Maybe I'll grow as a person, maybe be prepared to be a better dad, you know, learn practical skills and then put some of those practical skills into the book so I can pass it down to my kids. I can pass it down to other people's kids. And the more I worked on the book, the more reality made it in there. Uh, and then by the time the book came out, monarchs were struggling in a way that they weren't even 10 years ago when I started developing ideas for the book. And so it became um, one of my goals to, to give back to the monarchs, I guess, in some way, because I felt like they'd given me so much. They'd given me a mission and a, uh, a curiosity to follow. And they're fascinating, and they, they touch a lot of different points of the natural world and science and things that are just good talking points, I guess. So they're uh, an easy way to engage people's fascination because they are just really fascinating creatures. And so, yeah, I guess it's part and parcel of my ideas around the book to invite other people into, well, what does it mean to get fascinated about the natural world and, and what can you find out there? What's similar and what's different from how I've recorded it in the book? Excuse me. Uh, oh, yeah, what's what's similar and what's different versus how I've recorded the, uh, the places with illustrations and kind of transformed them in certain ways. You know, if you were to go to the Oregon coast yourself, um, you can go and track the character's progress step by step and you'll see those mountain ranges and the, the coastal vistas, but they might be a little bit different. Um, so it's just kind of an invitation in all different ways to kids and families. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're talking to Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Case and uh, Jonathan Case uh, talking about Little Monarchs. Uh, 
Jonathan's an Eisner award-winning cartoonist and uh, I love a lot of the work uh, that he's done, including Dear Creature. Uh, the New Deal, which I got a nice limited print from, uh, have that framed, uh, Batman 66 and over the garden wall. And um, uh, followed your work, like I mentioned uh, for a while, Jonathan. I really uh, love digging into the point of um, just talking about the story and, and, and talking about the science within it. And, and, and mentioning what excited me about the book, Little Monarchs, was... Uh, for me, as uh, having a curiosity and not knowing uh, much uh, about the, 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 the topic and some of the science behind um, uh, behind the monarchs, but um, the the details of place with uh, with the compass, the feel and the look of a book that is to be used uh, in the field and, and to be active and to be connected to, to nature. So I heard you use the word invitation. I also felt that within the book with regards to the, to the places that you visit and the, uh, curiosity or family curiosity and adventure, um, that, that, that could go into it in a very tough, uh, environment and with the effects of, you know, uh, climate change. So there's so much, <laughs> there's so much in, 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 in your work. Um, but I wanted to, to, to ask you, Jonathan, about the, about the story and about, uh, creating the book and, and talking about the, the monarch as a, as a driver of, um, what you're trying to do, uh, in, in, in your work. Um, do you want, well, I guess saying it again, uh, a different way, maybe I really, just want to communicate with people. I want to communicate with people in my work and invite them into new experiences. I guess that's why any of us writes or draws. Um, we're trying to communicate and create something that wasn't quite there before, uh, even if it's a part of um, some history, you know, or a, a tradition. And with Little Monarchs, I had spent plenty of time in my career leading up to that point when I was getting ready to do the book, thinking about other people's work and thinking about other people's stories and how could I take this from that thing that I love and this from another thing that I love. And, uh, when it cut, when it came time to start little monarchs and it came time to start thinking about myself as what would, what kind of a parent would I be? Um, I guess the outdoors called to me and the idea of having some of my, own adventures called to me and I guess putting experience first rather than um, drawing from uh, other people's stories so much. So, yeah. And with that, um, that experience first kind of creative process, that's also what I want for the end result is for, yeah, for parents, kids, families to be, invited into uh, the reality that's sort of referenced in the book, hopefully referenced thoroughly, you know, um, and in a way that just uh, stirs imagination and doesn't, I didn't want to do a book that was just educational. I wanted to do a book that was 
about characters and those characters can kind of become like imaginary friends. They were that for me when I was out in those real places um, thinking, okay, what would they be doing at this part of the country? And, and then, you know, you can follow them too, as a reader, you can follow them into those real places and use them as guides sort of. One of the things I noticed, uh, Jonathan, in the uh, in the book was uh, something that I learned in, in reading about the monarchs was the the nature of travel and generations and change. Uh, and so, in learning about that type of migration, which I had never heard of, of like multi generational, it's just not a knowledge that I had, it made me think about time so differently. Um, and, and to think about that undercurrent of thinking of the slow travel and slow movement. And, um, I was wondering if that was a, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of a big underpinning for you as far as the perspective of looking at that time can move like that or, or, or that, that not things aren't immediate, uh, like we think a lot nowadays. Well, I think about generational memory, I guess. Maybe that gets to your point a little bit. The idea that we have inherited more than maybe we give credit to our uh, ancestors. You know, Uh, like in the same way that they say your, your health as a grown adult is sort of related to what your grandmother ate, you know, her nutrition. (laughs) I think maybe experiences, good and bad, sins of the fathers, uh, all of that um, probably plays a a much greater role in our natures and in uh, the people that we, that we are. And it's, it's not just like these basic um, biological building blocks. I think it, it, it is related to something more close to our spirits, you know, our, um, our experiences that are passed down almost, you know, because it, yeah. if you think about how the monarchs work, it takes them those four generations to complete the migration. And by the time you're at generation four, those are thousands of miles from where their ancestors started, but somehow they know how to go back to this little grove, maybe on the coast of California and no mother or father monarch says, Oh yeah, just go this way. Turn right at the stop sign. Right. They just have that knowledge in them at a genetic level, I guess. And uh, it's pretty amazing. It's something that I, I didn't put into the book, but I've only heard later and I'm not sure the source on this, but I've heard that there used to be a mountain in the middle of Lake Michigan. And when the monarchs, the Eastern monarchs are flying across Lake Michigan, they go around that mountaintop. They're avoiding the, you know, going around the mountain. That's no longer. Yeah. What a, what a marvelous thought in reality. Wow. That's just absolutely incredible to just to think about. Yeah. Um, part of part of that part of that wonder, and um, and, well, and thank you so much uh, uh, for for talking about that. Like I said, folks, um, in reading uh, Jonathan's book, it's it's very inviting and engaging. And um, 
uh, visually in the stimulating thoughts, you'll find yourself kind of caught up <laughs> in, 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 in the story and in, in the monarchs. I wanted to ask you something going talking more generally about art, uh, Jonathan, I was really interested in, you had mentioned about, uh, you know, the, the influence of, uh, you know, having a family and, in your children in, in trying to capture a place and an experience. I think a lot of times artists can struggle with, you know, the, kind of the the solitary nature at times of that art is thought to be within and also more of a community more of a value with within the family was was it easier for for you to make that conscious choice to kind of be like well I'm gonna have a family and then I'm gonna integrate you know my art and try to adapt within that not leave it behind but have it be lived you know for for you and yours I think it's relatively easy to make the choice and it's probably harder to live it out in the way that you envisioned it, <laughs> you know, yeah, in your own personal yeah, dreamscape, yeah. things can just seem yeah. really all very put together. And then when you get out there, you realize, Oh, I've got a lot more to contend with than I had bargained for. But, um, yeah, art can be a very solitary, even selfish, self-oriented kind of practice. So, if you can build something into your art, into the process of your art that points you back out into community, especially for your research phase or your, you know, gathering the pieces to put something together in your little castle <laughs> uh, where you have to be locked away sometimes yeah. for years. It's, it's, a, I guess it's kind of a seasonal thing. Um, but yeah, the daily rhythm, I, I guess now I don't have a dedicated studio space. And part of that is just that I enjoy kind of being in the house, hearing my kids running around when they're home from school and kind of the background noise of that keeps me company. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, making, making these kinds of books um, I can't do that when, I, when I'm writing, but when I'm drawing, I, I like having that um, openness to what's going on. Uh, it, it would be pretty lone, lonesome otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, the, thanks, thanks for inviting us into kind of just the, just the environment that influences uh, what you create. So, um, uh, Jonathan, uh, wanted to ask one of the big questions uh, that was interested in your, your answer. Um, what is art? What do you think art is? I think art is our attempt to commune with whatever our sense of the divine is. Honestly, I think it's uh, I think it's a way for us to play and get lost in the ever expanding efforts of creating, you know the creative process is going on with or without our help at all times, you know, the universe is expanding yeah. and creating more and more seemingly at an accelerating pace that makes no sense yeah. to us, you know, with the, the set of tools that we have to interpret physics and all of that. But uh, for whatever reason, 
uh, we're a part of a creative process. That's, that's the default. So, um, art is just one way that we get to join into that, I guess, and be conscious of it in some way, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, uh, Jonathan, have you always seen yourself as an artist? I usually dig in and kind of on the identity question. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you always seen yourself as an artist or when you saw yourself as an artist, what changed in you? Like, why were you an artist then? I've always known that I was or wanted to be an artist since I was little. I never really had any ideas about doing anything else. Uh, It didn't really matter too much what the expression was, whether it was drawing or acting or writing. It's all kind of the same, you know, just dedication to uh, creative impulses. Um, I, I didn't have any kind of aha moment. (laughs) <laughs> it's just always sort of been that way. Yeah, it kind of felt it felt it that way. Um and 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 I really enjoyed listening to you talking about what what art is and a, a, another follow-up just connected to that. Um and and it's 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 you know, it's about your art as well. Is the question of the the role of art and whether that's changed if there are particular emergencies or crises that humans are facing now or felt to be facing now, does the role of art change within that? Or is it, you think it's kind of, it, it kind of just remains the same over time as far as what art is supposed to do its role? Uh, I think it's probably the same as it has been uh, in the sense that hopefully if we're, if we're calling it, art with a capital A that it shakes us out of old ways of thinking. Um, Maybe it also provides comfort in a similar and startling way where if we've been locked into an old way of thinking and we're just tired and worn down, I think great art can inspire new directions and uh, it has a restorative healing nature to it. Um, even if, even if it seems, <laughs> even things I was, I was watching a show recently that was pretty brutal and I was, you know, it was a, an anime and uh, very violent and I was, I was sort of put off by the violence, but at the same time, it made me so grateful that I don't have to live in that reality of violence in my own <laughs> life. It kind of gave me some perspective for the day. I don't know that I would, it was great art, but it definitely, um, it inspired a feeling in me afterwards, almost like a catharsis of, uh, gratitude that, um, that violence is, so much of human reality and uh for whatever reason in this moment in time i was born into this place in this time where i I don't have to experience that at at the level that so many people do so i don't know um i'm getting off on a tangent there but i think i think art should inspire um more than just to entertain but yeah well 
I really, I really like what you had to say about like having that strong of a reaction to something that, you know, was on some level off putting the level of the violence, but you, it created kind of a positive effect in, in your head. And I think it's just, a, it's just a really, it's just a really cool question because if it's not art, it's doing some of the things that art is doing, yeah. uh, it's trying to do anyways to knock you around a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the way you see it might not be hundred percent all the time. Right. So, um, yeah, um, I wanted to ask you, um, I've, I've followed, uh, your work, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, and, uh, I remember the uh, Green River Killer and, um, some of the other works they've done. I really loved, uh, Batman, uh, 66 and, uh, the New Deal. Um, and, uh, I just wanted to 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 ask you: um, Is there a particular realm that that you feel like most comfortable as far as the storytelling goes? Because I got your book, and at first I was like, "Oh, it's Jonathan Case," and I was like, "And I was like, wow, this is real. What is this?" And I was just really uh, drawn in, but it made me question. I was like, "What did I expect from Jonathan Case?" You know? And uh, is 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 there something you feel that? You, you, you know that that you really connect to, uh, whether it's the characters or the stories that you uh, that you've done. Well, I think maybe what you're getting at there is that I don't seem to have one way of doing things. I tend to dabble in a lot of different yeah. modes of storytelling, and uh, I guess I just do that because it keeps it fresh for me and as I'm going through different chapters of my life, um, I, I tend to want to explore uh, new territory. I, um, so even in the way that I draw, I tend to draw a little bit differently with every project. And that is not a great thing in terms of being a commercial artist with a distinct brand, <laughs> But it's a good thing for me as somebody who wants to just continue exploring. So I guess that's that's mainly what I want to do is just explore new territory and keep pushing myself into uh, new, new and hopefully enlightening directions. And the, yeah. you know, whatever the story is of the moment, uh, hopefully it's hopefully it's doing that for me. I wanted to uh, ask you um, the show, the show uh, podcast covers like a lot of, a lot of different areas, but it's definitely a Pacific Northwest podcast. At least it feels that way to me. And um, I'm originally from the East coast, but I've learned so much and kind of like uh, have sought to absorb what I see. That's like in, in the Pacific uh, Northwest. And I, I see that a lot in 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 your art, and particularly within in Little Monarchs. Um, I love the Oregon coast. Uh, I love the ocean, and just seeing some of the places uh, with within the book, it just felt um, really intimate and gave um, that that sense of place that is really difficult for an, an artist to to do. And 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 I think you did it. Um, how the heck did you do that? <laughs> To, to bring it in. I mean, I felt I could smell the Oregon coast right there. I could feel it a bit. Like, how to, how'd you pull that one off? Well, a lot of that is probably just the fact that I grew up on the Oregon coast for most of my childhood. So um, that sense of place 
is just a reflection of, again, my own experiences. But with Little Monarchs, um, every single location in that book is uh, a place that you could go yourself. So it has, you know, not only the references, like the visual references, but you can actually map the coordinates out and follow along the character's uh, route step by step. And that was really important to me because there's nothing worse than being a local and then watching a movie or reading a book and thinking, oh, they're talking about this car going down this road. And I know that you can't go down the road that direction, you know, <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm pulled yeah. out of the story. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a little thing to say like, okay, that happens as a local and you're taken out of the story. But the, the bigger work that can be done is if you really dive deep and you try to bring as much as you can from what's really there into the, into the story, it multiplies the work of writing something because you can't just choose to have a scene set in, you know, any old scenario. You really, you're beholden to the environment, but it also provokes, uh, I mean, the limitation can provoke its own creative solution, I guess, and and its own uh, idea that wouldn't have come to you just out of pure imagination. And uh, having those kinds of constraints can can be good as a storyteller. And uh, yeah, just mostly I want people to feel like this is a book that does take place in a world that they either recognize or that they want to explore more themselves. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think um, one of the things I appreciate about uh, you telling some of the, some of the story behind this, but even particular thinking about the images of, of, of the monarchs and the question of like, how is it that there's this record of where to go and what to do that seems of so long of time and even recognizing, you know, objects no longer there within the, in the patterns, such a, just such a deeply uh, profound and mysterious uh, thought that as a philosopher, shit, you know, that's like, you know, that's, that, that, that I, I, re- I really dig that. Okay. So Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Case here, we get the big question uh, for him. Uh, why is there something rather than nothing? That's, that's the big question of the show. Well, I was just a couple of days ago listening to some scientists talk about the Big Bang and how big a bang it really was. It's some some crazy idea, like everything expanding from the point of a pin to the edges of the universe in like some ridiculous fraction of a second, like yeah. to the millionth power like just that short amount of time and the energy of all of that um and the heat of it conjuring all these galaxies and it just it's incredible so i i i don't know why that happened but as an artist my meaning making that i do is to say i'm going to join in with that creative process 
And even if I don't know the why, at least I'll be part of the dance. You know, so many people say in the face of grief, well, you'll know one day. You'll know why this happened one day. But I'm not positive that that's how it works. I think maybe in the end, you just accept that that was part of the dance. I love that, man. Uh, it's great talking here to to, to Jonathan Case. And uh, hey, Jonathan, uh, before we uh, before we let you go, I really want the listeners to be able to connect to the different things uh, you create, have created, um, and, and what you got going on. I don't know if you do signings or anything along along those lines, but just how do folks find uh, your great art? I mean, honestly, your award winning art and um, just the the great work you do. Where did they go? I have a website, jonathancase.net, and you can just Google Jonathan Case cartoonist and you'll find my websites, my you know social media accounts, and I, I post stuff there every once in a while. Um, yeah, so I do I'm taking a little bit of a break from signings this fall, uh, just kind of staying home and you know, kids are back in school and that kind of thing, but that's given me a chance to get back to some good work. I'm working on some uh, stuff for DC right now for bat girls. It's one of those bat people things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's uh, going to be a, a fun thing to do for a couple of months. And uh, yeah, we'll see next year. I'll have some more book events. I, I've been invited to the, um, uh, the Tucson book festival. So I'm going to go and do that and maybe a few other things. So we'll see, but yeah, Google is the way, I guess. <laughs> Google, is, uh, Google is the way. Well, you definitely, um, uh, uh, and, and thanks so much again, kind of for the peek in and, and, and the thinking, honestly, you know, behind the art and, and the things you do. Um, I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, what you create. And I encourage everybody listening, um, just, just, just fantastic, uh, world, you know, kind of worlds in, in place, the, that Jonathan brings in and, um, uh, uh, just, just stupendous work on the, the recent book. I love how it feels lively and active and living and forward thinking. I just wanted to, to, to thank you for it. So, uh, Thanks, Jonathan, for coming on the uh, Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate your uh, your thoughts and uh, all of the kind things that you've said and the conversation. It's good. Thanks so much, brother. You take care. You too. This is Something Rather Than Nothing 